things we do and why we're the church that we are. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the person of God at work in the earth today. I believe in the Pentecostal power he imparts to believers to receive and to do the supernatural. This power is the same power that raised Jesus from the dead and is available to give life and healing to us today. His gifts and his ministries are as powerful and effective today as they ever were. So we choose to honor, respect, and make room for the Holy Spirit, both personally as individuals and collectively as a church. We make no apologies for the fullness of the Spirit. We are not trying to hide who we are and what we are. The whole world has come out of the closet. We never were in it, really. And uh, we are God's people. And we enjoy His presence. So let's pray. Father, we thank You for Your Word. We thank You for Your goodness. And we do thank You, Lord, that Your goodness is running after us. You are looking. Your eyes run to and fro throughout the whole earth, looking for somebody to bless, to show Yourself strong in their behalf those whose heart is at one with you, perfect before you. So, Lord, today we ask you to speak into our lives from your holy word. We ask you, Lord, that you would remind us today of the things we need reminded of and reveal the things to us today that we need revelation of. And we give you praise and honor and glory as we ask for utterance in the Holy Ghost. We acknowledge our dependence upon the Holy Spirit And ask you, dear Lord, today to think through my mind, speak through my lips, and bring forth the word with accuracy and with boldness, with compassion and with faith, so that everyone here will hear from God today. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 Please open your Bibles this morning to the book of 1 Corinthians chapter 14. 1 Corinthians chapter 14, and we will get to it in just a little while. As a matter of fact, uh, turn to James 5, That's, then we'll come back to 14. So if you want to keep your place in, in James, I mean, 1 Corinthians 14, that'll be fine. But we're going to look at both, both those passages in today's message. In James chapter 5, that's really our, our first beginning place today. We're going to read verse number 16. It says, Confess your faults one to another, And pray one for another that ye may be healed. The effectual, fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. I want to read that last part. The effectual, fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. Now in the Amplified Bible, the Amplified Classic, the last portion of that verse says the earnest, heartfelt, continued prayer of a righteous man makes tremendous power available, dynamic in its working. Now we'll reiterate that last phrase again in the Amplified. The earnest, heartfelt, continued prayer of a righteous man makes tremendous power available, dynamic in its working. Do you believe that? I do. I believe that. 
So the question for all of us, including myself, is why don't we do more of it? Because God's power changes things. It changes things that no decree of man, no ingenuity of, of man, no kind of theory or idea can do. There's nothing like the power of God. The word of the Lord came to us about six weeks ago on the first day of October, which was a Sunday. And there was a prophetic utterance that came to us about the end of the year we're in, the year 2023, and the next year, 2024. I want to read uh, what was said at, at, at that particular portion of the service as we moved into that realm. And of course, we believe in prophecy. We, we don't despise prophesyings, which means we don't just count them as nothing or we don't just ignore them. We take them as important. And so I'll pick up with the transcription here where I was speaking and said, I'm praising now because the future is bright. Things are on the horizon. The best is yet to come. We are entering the last quarter of 2023, and I want to declare to you this will be the best quarter of the year. In the name of Jesus, this will be the best quarter of the year. Hallelujah. And it is going to open the way for the year 2024, which will be a year of visitation from God. I want to read that phrase again. And it is going to open the way for the year 2024, which will be a year of a visitation from God. So you can know that that's where our theme is going for this upcoming new year. And then the word went on to say to us, people will dream dreams and people will see visions and people will hear the voice of the Lord in ways they have never heard him before. It will even begin before the end of this year. 2024 will be a great year of visitation in this place. And for those who are committed and connected and partnered here, and I'm going to reiterate that again because we're getting some insight into who the Lord was speaking to and speaking about. And for those who are committed and connected and partnered here, they will receive this kind of blessing and visitation of the Lord. This year of breakthrough and blessings, because remember, that's what the Lord spoke to us about this year, 2023, and it has really been that kind of a year, an amazing, amazing year of breakthroughs and blessings. So many testimonies in this congregation and also from us as a church body collectively. This year of breakthrough and blessings will lead us into times of refreshing, I'm sorry, into times of His presence and visitation that is going to be so glorious. Right now, we are entering into it. It's upon us, and we can rejoice in it right now. And so then I encourage us to stand on our feet and praise the Lord, and so we did. This word, to me, is so, so powerful about what is coming and that the best truly is yet ahead of us. This word really, we could say it this way, is about the next level that God has planned for us. And it's important for every one of us to realize that a word for this church is a word 
for you and your personal life and your personal business as well. Because we are individual members, we are individual parts of this body. So if there's going to be a visitation from God among this church and in this church, then that means you are going to experience visitation from God. If this part of the year will be the best part of the year, then that means you are going to experience the best part of your year in 2024. And if next year is a year of visitation from the Lord, that means get ready. Company's coming. Expect a visitation. Hallelujah from the Lord. Praise the Lord. Maybe some of you have got company coming this week or you've got guests coming. And, and you know what we do when those times come? We clean up a little extra. We fix things a little extra. Maybe buy a little extra food. We make sure we have enough. We go to the store. We make plans. We make lists. And we get stuff done. Well, if we're expecting a visitation from God, then we've got to make some lists and get some stuff done. Amen? We've got to get ready for this. Because this won't happen without our cooperation, and it won't happen against our will. See, that's where a lot of people misunderstand certain words from the Lord. There are unconditional promises that God has made in His Word. There are things that are so... Uh, overarching of everything else in human history that no matter what you believe about it or what you do about it, it's not going to change it. For instance, Jesus is coming back whether you like it or not, whether you believe it or not, and whether you're ready or not. He's still coming back. But there are things that involve us personally and there are things that involve us collectively as a church and churches that are open to God speaking to them that for those things to happen... We have to cooperate with the Holy Spirit. In 1 Timothy chapter 1 and verse 18, Paul spoke about prophecies that went before, as he worded it, on Timothy. Those are things that had been spoken about Timothy, who was Paul's son in the faith and, and, and uh, protege. Paul was Timothy's mentor and spiritual father. And uh, he was encouraging Timothy when he wrote to him, that there were things that had been spoken prophetically, and we don't know what all those things were because those words were not uh, copied out for us. But obviously, Timothy knew what Paul was talking about, as did Paul. And he told them by them that he should war a good warfare. That's interesting terminology. War a good warfare. Evidently, when words from the Lord come, the devil goes to war. And we know from Mark chapter 4 and Jesus' teaching about the seed of the word that the first thing that the devil comes to do is to steal the word, take it away from us. He comes even when it's still in seed form because that's the easiest way, pick it up off the top of the ground. And of course he uses various ways to, to try to keep us from the blessings of God and the word of God. And, and uh, so that's why we have to fight the good fight of faith. We have to war a good warfare, and get it done. So we're going to contend for this thing. We're going to contend for a visitation from the Lord in the next year. And we know that that will probably require us to make some adjustments as a church and as individuals. That's probably going to require more time, more effort, more excellence, a greater level of service, a greater level of faith and expectation. And so 
I don't know about everybody else, but I believe there's a group of folks in here ready for that challenge. We're going to move into that. Amen. Can you say praise the Lord? So one of the things that we must do to get to this next level and to stay there, because maybe you've experienced this, and I think many of us have, it is possible to, in a time of commitment and a time of dedication, a time of excitement and exuberance, when God is moving and we're around the right people who encourage us and help us, it's easy to uh, kind of get up into a higher place, into a, the next level. But some of us have been there, and then we've come back out of it. You know, we've kind of dropped back down. Not that we're lost, not that we're in sin, not that we're going to hell. I don't mean that. I just mean we're maybe just not as sharp spiritually, as keen, <clears throat> excuse me, as keen spiritually as maybe we have been at other times in our lives. Maybe we've allowed the busyness of life. Maybe we've allowed the cares of, the li of this life to rob us of the intensity and the time that's required to live and stay at this next level. Well, I'm telling you, it's time for us to not let that happen. It's time to go to the next place. So one of the things we've got to do to get to this next level and stay there is we have to learn to pray at that next level. Next level praying. That's what my message today is about. I don't know if I'll finish it today or not. But uh, anyway, we're getting started. Our life always reflects our prayer life. Your life to the onlooker, to the person who knows you, the person who interacts with you, maybe they work with you, they live with you, whatever. Your life always reflects your prayer life. And it's very interesting because in Matthew chapter 6 and verse 6, matter of fact, let's turn there. Uh, we'll get back to 1 Corinthians 14. But Matthew chapter 6, this is so important to us. I want to, uh, I want to uh, show you this, and I'd like for you to look at it in your Bible. Matthew chapter 6 and verse 6, these are the words of Jesus. And he's talking to uh, the people there that he was uh, ministering to and says, But thou... Say, that's me. that's me. When thou prayest, I'm reading from the old King James, that we can say you, when you pray, <coughs> excuse me, enter into thy closet. Now, that's what the King James uses. It means a secret place. It can mean a bedchamber, actually. The place where you go to get away from everybody, your most private place to go and rest, to be quiet, to separate yourself from all the business, busyness, and business of the world and get your sleep. So he's likening this kind of prayer to going into your secret place, into the closet. And when thou hast shut thy door, so he emphasizes the need to shut out everything else, to shut out the world, to shut out the noise, to shut out all the activity and get in the presence of God. Because that's what prayer is. It's communication with God. It's coming into God's presence. So he would, he's saying here that you should get alone with God when it's just the two of you. And he says, pray to thy father, which is in secret. 
And thy father which seeth in secret shall reward thee openly. So the idea here is a picture of intimacy, and I don't intend to be crude. That's not my purpose. But the idea is the most intimate of relationships, which we know intimacy produces new life. Intimacy produces pregnancy. It produces a unity that is not a public display. It is not something that is uh, carelessly done, but it's a very solemn thing. That's the picture that Jesus is painting of an intimacy with God. And how many of you know that you don't see the intimacy, but we do see the results of it? Pregnancy can't be hidden. You know, when somebody's eight months pregnant, it's pretty obvious that there has been intimacy. Amen. And the new life that comes forth is really the defining evidence. Because, you know, somebody may look pregnant but not be. They may just eat too many beans or something. I don't know. But But when they have the baby... It's definite evidence. So, the results of our prayers are our spiritual babies, if you will. That's the defining evidence that we pray. It's not how much we say we pray. It's not how much we act like we pray to other people. If we pray, it's going to show. And it's not that you're trying to advertise it. How spiritual I am. As a matter of fact, Jesus says, you do this in secret. So it's, it's not something you do out openly. There's a time for public prayer. We pray in these services and, and we pray over our food with other people present. That's all, that's all well and good. But this kind of prayer is an intimate time with God. So what does that kind of prayer look like for us today? We understand that it would involve our understanding. In other words, we pray knowledgeable, intelligently. We pray based on the scriptures we know. We base uh, prayer sometimes on needs, sometimes on desires, uh, various things that involve prayer. But what I want to focus on today is something that is unique to uh, Pentecostal believers, charismatic believers, something that is... uh, a blessing for the last 2,000 years. As a matter of fact, since the day of Pentecost and Christianity got its empowerment to do the great commission that Jesus left us with, this kind of prayer, this next level praying, has been a constant stream of blessings to us. Now, Jesus gave us a concept of spiritual levels in the book of John. And let's just turn over there. This is, I'm sorry, Lynette, I'm probably not doing this exactly as, as it was communicated to you. Please forgive me, but we'll just try our best to follow the Holy Spirit. But Jesus gave us these levels of praying, or actually levels of the Spirit, and levels of, of the uh, manifestation of the Spirit, when he taught us, for instance, in John chapter 7. That's what we want to look at, and then we're going to look over at... Um, no, no, go back to chapter 4. Then we'll get to chapter 7. You can tell I, I'm off my, uh, my original thought here. Thank God for the Holy Ghost. Aren't you glad? 
he's smarter than I am, praise the Lord. Uh, in John chapter 4, Jesus uh, taught us, and actually he was talking to the woman at the well, as we call her. And uh, he says in verse, uh, verse 13, Whosoever drinketh of this water, talking about the water that was in the well, he'd ask her for a drink, you know. He said, Whosoever drinketh of this water shall thirst again. But whosoever drinketh of the water that I shall give him shall never thirst. But the water that I shall give him shall be in him a well of water springing up into everlasting life. So here Jesus is picturing uh, the Spirit of God within, eternal life within, as a well. A well. Then over in John 7, verse 37, it says, In the last day, that great day of the feast, Jesus stood and cried, saying, If any man thirst, let him come unto me and drink. He that believeth on me. This is a blessing for believers. He that believeth on me, as the scripture has said, out of his belly shall flow rivers of living water. Unless we don't uh, grasp what he's talking about, it says, But this spake he of the Spirit, which they that believe on him should receive, for the Holy Ghost was not yet given, because that Jesus was not yet glorified. Well, when was the Holy Ghost given? On the day of Pentecost. So the believers in the upper room, and they were believers, they had seen the resurrected Jesus. They had confessed him as Lord. He would breathed on them and said, receive the Holy Ghost. They were born again. But they were then on the day of Pentecost baptized in the Holy Ghost, filled with the Holy Ghost. And what happened? Acts 2-4, they were all filled with the Holy Ghost and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. And so what I want to point out to you is Jesus... Uh, referred to various levels of spiritual fullness and spiritual power. He spoke about a well. He spoke about a river. Now, the same elements in both, water. But they're different quantities, a different force, and very different potential. Same element, but different quantities, different forces, and different potential. Jesus said, you need a river. You need more than a well. You need a river. And so the river level, we're talking about praying at the next level. The river level is praying in other tongues, praying in the Spirit. Now we're going to go to 1 Corinthians 14, and we'll finally get there. Paul says in verse 1, Follow after love and desire spiritual gifts or spirituals or things pertaining to and of the Holy Spirit. But rather that you may prophesy. And of course his, his main emphasis in these teachings about the gifts of the Spirit was to help them in their church services maintain order but also maintain a move of the Spirit. You know that's a real balancing thing for church leadership. Uh, is to maintain order but also maintain a move of the Spirit. We don't want to be so formal that we leave the Holy Ghost out. And we don't want to be so crazy that we're crazy. We want to find the place where the Holy Spirit moves and we know it's the Holy Spirit. 
And if you want to have a move of the Spirit, especially in a church setting, you have to be prepared, as Smith Wigglesworth said, for certain extravagances. There will always be some things that you might wonder about. Was that necessary? And there will be along the way a few granola-type Christians, you know, fruits and nuts and stuff like that. There'll be a few of those along the way that need correction and, and uh, you know, sometimes may need help finding their seat and, you know, all of that. I mean, that, that, that does happen. But what I've noticed over these years is that a lot of dear ministers, they just decide, I don't want to do that. And so we're just not going to really make room for the Holy Ghost. We're just going to move on and do what we do, and we're going to plan it out, and, and uh, we hope he will move. Well, the thing about it is, if you don't give him a chance, he is a perfect gentleman. He won't. That's why you can't go to a dead church that doesn't believe in and doesn't want and won't tolerate the move of the Spirit, you cannot go there and expect to have a great flow of the Holy Ghost. It doesn't happen. I ask this question today, where is a continual and powerful flow of the supernatural where there is no Pentecostal experience of speaking in tongues and being full of the Holy Ghost? I know I sound like a very fundamentalist Pentecostal. I know that my words seem very narrow and strict in that regard. But you know I'm telling you the truth. And the thing about it is, if, if, if it was impossible to have it, then maybe that would be a little bit of a harsh criticism. But it's not impossible. Any church, every church that will have it can have a move and a flow of the Holy Ghost. Every place and every group of people that will allow the Spirit of God to move will have manifestations of the gifts of the Spirit. We don't control it and we don't force it, but we can allow it. And I can tell you, if you will allow it, the Holy Spirit will move. If you want it, He will manifest Himself. So to get to the next level... We've got to pray at that level, and that kind of praying looks like what Paul is going to talk to us about here in 1 Corinthians 14. It looks like praying in other tongues. And really, that's what, when he uses the phrase in this passage, praying in the Spirit, or he uses the word tongues, he's talking about those interchangeably. And we know that uh, because of 1 Corinthians 14, 14, and 15, if you'll look at that with me, please. He says, for, I, for if I pray in an unknown tongue, that means unknown to the speaker, certainly not unknown to God. If I pray in a tongue, my spirit prays, but my understanding is unfruitful. What is it then? I will pray with the spirit. So what's he equating praying in spirit to? Praying in tongues. So Paul's saying, I will pray in tongues, which means you can. You don't have to wait on God to make you. You don't have to wait on a feeling. You don't have to wait on an emotion. You don't have to wait on a certain volume level in the service. You don't have to wait on a dozen other people to pray loudly in tongues before you can do it. No, you can. He says, I will pray with the Spirit. And I will pray with the understanding also. Well, of course. We're going to pray both ways. And he goes on. I will sing with the Spirit. 
And I will sing with the understanding also. So that would mean the same thing. I'm going to, I'll sing in tongues and I'll also sing with my understanding. Now when we, when we do this in a service, for instance, or, or even if you're by yourself, what good is it if I'm going to worship or speak in tongues and uh, if that particular utterance, if I don't interpret it, because there is such thing as interpretation, there is a gift of interpretation, and we know around here that functions. If you come here very long, you, you hear that. You, you know that that is a function of the Holy Ghost among us. And there needs to be an interpretation when, when people are being addressed. But I don't need an interpretation to address God. He gave me the utterance. He knows what I'm saying. So when you hear the congregation singing and you hear people singing in tongues, they're not singing to you. <laughs> they're, they're not singing to you. It's, it, I'm not trying to be mean, but it's not about you. It's about God. And God knows what we say. But if like right now I'm speaking to you in English, and if, if I were to begin to speak to you in tongues... And you're sitting there quietly, just like you are right now, and you're listening to the words that I'm speaking. It would be improper, it would be out of order, that I would go on and on and on and on speaking in tongues and never interpret. So you see, there are levels even in, in this realm of speaking in tongues. Various uses and various things that, that need to happen. But what I'm focusing, focusing on today is what we call, what I'm calling next level praying, which means above my understanding, above my needs, above my prayer list, or above a request that's been given to me. And all that's fine. Don't misunderstand me. That's fine. But if you're, if you're anything like me, it really doesn't take a long time for my understanding to run out. You know, I, I'm, I don't know much. I'm very limited in what I know. And especially... If it's dealing with other people or it's dealing with situations that I'm really not fully aware of what's going on. If I'm, for instance, if I'm praying for our government, I'm praying for things in the world that go on. I don't know all the stuff that's going on. I don't read all the reports. I'm not privy to all the intelligence. But the one inside of me who wants to help me pray knows everything. And so it's important that we pray with our understanding, we establish our requests, that we, we establish our faith by the confession of our mouth. It's important that we return God's word, the scriptures, to him in prayer. All that's proper. But when we come to the end of ourselves, intellectually, emotionally, you know, in our, in our thought life, then aren't you glad, I'm so thankful... For the person and presence of the Holy Spirit that can just take me to the next level of praying. Of all the benefits of the Spirit-filled life. I was filled with the Spirit when I was 15 years old. I'm 66. So over 50 years ago, I was baptized in the Holy Ghost. And, and for all these 50 years plus, I can tell you this is the greatest benefit that God ever afforded me. When he baptized me in the Holy Ghost was to give me the privilege of praying and worshiping 
and speaking in other tongues. It is a stream. It is a river that the more it flows, the more blessed I am. The more it flows, the more spiritually sensitive I am. The more that river flows, the more I know spiritually and by revelation instead of trying to figure everything out in my mind or in my head. And I want to just make a note to uh, go back a little bit to that 14th and 15th verse that we looked at. When Paul said, I will, what he was saying was that since I have been initially baptized in the Holy Spirit, now at that point I can at any time I want to begin to pray in the Spirit. As a matter of fact, he, he really backs that up as he teaches in this passage here in 1 Corinthians 14 in your Bible because he begins to talk about People he begins to tell the Corinthians how to do it orderly. That in other words, they have some control over whether or not they exercise this gift. Now, how did this how does this begin? Well, it begins when you have your personal Pentecost. It begins when you are filled initially with the Holy Ghost to the overflow level. And the overflow level is not a well, you know, a well. Most everybody's familiar with a well, and, and, and where's the water? It's down in the well. It has to be pumped out or drawn out some kind of way. When you go to a river, where's the water? It's in the flow of that river. You know, you go to, you go to Memphis, Tennessee, and you, you get ready. I'm sure many of you have done that. You cross that enormous bridge. You're crossing the Mississippi. Amen. There's no way to compare the Mississippi River to your well. Same stuff, water, but far different potential. Far different power. Far different quantity. And that's why we want to be filled with the Holy Spirit. Now the Holy Spirit is not going to come and drive you like a demon spirit would do. The Holy Spirit, as I said earlier, is a perfect gentleman. So you're going to have to yield to him. Whether it's the initial filling of the spirit or whether it's a person who's been baptized in the spirit, but you're kind of stuck, you know, you're not really flowing uh, in this area like you need to. How do you get unstuck? How do you get free? How do you get liber liberated? Well, you have got to learn that the Holy Spirit's utterance comes down on the inside. That's where your spirit is. Your spirit's not your head. Thank God for our brains, but they are so limited. Look at your neighbor and say, I know he's preaching about you just now. But they're so limited. They're so limited. And uh, one of the biggest problems to to being spirit-filled initially, and one of the biggest hindrances to uh, praying in the Holy Ghost in, in, on a regular basis and getting that freedom, one of the biggest hindrances is our intellect, our, our mind, our thinking. We're trying to figure it out. And at the same time, many people not only try to figure it out, but they're trying to, they're, they're expecting that God's going to somehow make them. Well, He isn't going to make you. Now, once you're spirit-filled and you yield to the Holy Spirit, there are times when that river comes with such force that you almost don't have to do anything. It just pours out. 
But initially, you're going to have to yield. And that means utterance is going to come in your spirit. And you're going to have to speak it out. And you're going to have to be bold enough to open your mouth and speak it. And I can tell you that probably everybody in here that's been filled with the Holy Spirit and spoken in tongues. Well, let's, let's just do this little survey and my hand will be up. How many of you that's been filled with the Spirit and spoken in tongues, how many of you has the devil told you that wasn't real? Look around. You see, the reason that's so is because he's going to tell you that's just you. That that's just your head. You're just, you're just talking gibberish. You're just making sounds. But you, know the, but you know the Bible says in the second chapter of Acts that when the, when the church was initially filled with the Holy Ghost, they all began to speak. Now everybody that's been around a baby that is learning to speak knows they don't learn to speak fluently right out of the gate. They begin with sounds, syllables that formed into words that eventually are formed into sentences. And eventually there comes a time with some kids till you're thinking, why did we ever teach them to talk? Because they never seem to stop now. Well, they begin. So your beginning may be very humble. It might be a few it might be one syllable or a few words. I don't know what. But if you, will, if you will begin, your language will grow. Just like the little kid whose language grows until they can come and stand up and articulate to you what they want, what they need, what they think, how they feel. And you can have a conversation back and forth with them. That's where God's trying to take you in this area of speaking in tongues. The ultimate is a conversation back and forth with God. And you have to begin. And if, and if beginning for you is going to be easier and better that you just go off somewhere in the woods or you go to the basement or you go to the garage or you shut everything out, but you need to begin because I'm going to give you a few blessings that you don't want to miss about speaking in tongues. And they're, they're in the 14th chapter of 1 Corinthians. Paul says in verse 2, he that speaketh in a tongue. Notice the word unknown is italicized in the King James Bible, meaning it was added by the translators. And as I said, it's unknown to the speaker, but not unknown to God. He that speaketh in a tongue speaketh not unto men, but unto God. The first reason that you want to pray in the Spirit and speak in the Spirit is because it gives you the ability to communicate with God spirit to spirit. And in that process, we bypass our head. We bypass our emotions, we bypass our feelings, and we bypass our intellect. We even bypass what people call common sense. Now, there's a place for intellectual information. There's a place even for common sense. Thank God for feelings when they're good and right. Thank God for emotions. All those things are good. We were created with these things. But when it comes to next level praying, none of those things are going to work. Like just pouring out of your spirit before God. So there'll be times you'll pray in the spirit and you won't feel anything. There are other times you pray in the spirit and you just, the anointing is just so strong. And such a saturating presence of God that, that you know, you just can't hardly speak fast enough. You just, 
You can just sense the presence of God. The Holy Spirit is helping me in my prayer life. And I love those times, don't you? But when you get up and it's not quite daylight yet and you feel like four miles of unpaved road, you haven't had any coffee yet. And, and uh, you know, maybe it's one of those days where you got all these things stacked up in front of you and you're just, you know, thinking, oh my goodness, I've got so much to do. And you don't feel a thing that's good. You can still pray in the Spirit. And it'll help you get there to take care of what it is that you need to do. And it is because, number one, it is spirit to spirit. Your spirit through the Holy Spirit communicating directly to the Father of spirits of just men made perfect, our Heavenly Father God. Amen. The next thing Paul says about this is that when we pray this way, we're speaking to God. No man understands us, how be it. In the Spirit, he speaks mysteries. The second thing that happens when we pray this way, the King James uses the word mysteries. I think Weymouth's translation uses the phrase divine secrets. And I really like that one. Divine secrets. <coughs> Excuse me. God has plans. God has purposes that are not always laid out from the very beginning. And I, I believe that you could agree that there would be various reasons as to why. One reason is because he doesn't want the devil to be privy to everything before because of the potential he would have to try to hinder us. Amen. The Bible calls the coming of Christ through the virgin and the plan of redemption, the offering of Jesus on the cross. All of that was a mystery. And as a matter of fact, Paul says to the Corinthians, had the princes of this world known, they would never have crucified the Lord of glory. They had no idea. They were sealing their eternal damnation. The devil was stupid enough to think, I'm getting rid of Jesus. He's a troublemaker. He's a problem. And, and uh, I know that God said, the seed of the woman's going to come and crush my head, so we're just going to get rid of this guy before he does it. And in the process of what they thought was getting rid of him, that's how he crushed the devil's head. Amen. So that shows you how smart God is. And I know that none of us have the magnitude of an assignment that Jesus had in redemption. I, don't, I, don't, I know that. But you do have an assignment. You have a unique life, a unique calling a unique presence, you are a unique individual, you are a unique part of the body of Christ. Nobody is you and nobody can do exactly what you're supposed to do, the way you're supposed to do it. And there are people you're supposed to reach and people you're supposed to help and things you're supposed to get done. And God has that plan already for your life. When he brought you into this world, he knew what he brought you into the world to do. And part of the great blessing and fulfillment of the Christian life on the earth is to find out what that plan is and fulfill it. Amen. And one of the ways we get to that place where we can is when we pray in tongues. We pray out those mysteries. We pray out those divine secrets. <clears throat> and then also along this same line, in John 16, 17, when Jesus spoke of the coming spirit, he said he will show you things to come. And so praying in tongues also gives us the ability to pray ahead of ourselves in time. Because there is no time in the spiritual dimension. We pray ahead of ourselves in time and we pray out things before we ever have to go deal with them. 
and we pray ourselves into things. We pray things away from us, and we pray ourselves into things. I think about our friend down in Nashville, Brother uh, Pastor Charles Cowan, and we've been blessed to spend some time with him over the years and have some wonderful conversations. He and his wife Sue are such sweet and wonderful people, such a great man of God, a great pastor. And uh, he was very close with Brother Hagen. He was the uh, class president of the charter class of Ramah, the very first year they had school. And so he and Brother Hagen were close. They spent time together, um, went on some vacations together. I mean, that, that kind of a relationship. And he said he asked Brother Hagen, you know, how did this happen? And I'm, I'm, I'm paraphrasing. I don't remember the exact words that he used. But the gist of it was something along this line. You know, how did you get to this place? Because without a seminary degree, without a doctoral degree, just a high school education, a guy from uh, Texas with, with what would seem to be nothing uh, special in the natural going for him, how did God cause his ministry to, to reach around the world and to this day still reaching millions of people? How, how, even though he's been gone for uh, 20 years. How, how did that happen? And he said, Brother Hagen told him, he said, Well, Charles, I guess I just prayed myself into it. And I, when I heard that, I never forgot it. Because I realize whatever I'm called to do, and I realize whatever you're called to do, you can pray yourself into it. That may mean sacrificing some time with other things. That may mean a readjustment of schedules. That may mean a readjustment of priorities. But you can get in the will of God by praying yourself into that place. And then also... Um, Verse 4, Paul says, He that speaketh in an unknown tongue or in a tongue edifies himself. Edifies himself. What does the word edify mean? It means to build up. An edifice is an older English word. We don't use it much or hear it much today. But that was a, used, a word that was commonly used to refer particularly to a church or a cathedral. This magnificent edifice. Well, the word edify means to build up. Jude, verse 20, one chapter in Jude, verse 20 says, But ye, beloved, building up yourselves on your most holy faith, praying in the Holy Ghost. We build up ourselves when we pray in the Holy Ghost or we pray in other tongues. So these few points don't think, well, it's just another Sunday and forget what you hear. Take these home with you. Pray in the Spirit. And your life will change. Your ministry will change. Everything about you can be better if you pray at the next level. And I want to say this to us as a church collectively. If we're going to see these great things that we desire to see in a year of visitation... If we really want to go to the next level, we're going to have to pray at that level. We know legally we are seated with Christ in the heavenly realm. So we know we pray from that elevated place. 
But part of that prayer is to get all this natural stuff, including my body, my mind, and my will, and my emotions, to get all of me up to the next level. And I want to declare to you today, I want to go on record, I'm going there. I'm going there. And I'm trusting you're going to join me. Father, we're so thankful this morning, so grateful for the privilege of prayer. We're so thankful for the Holy Ghost, the great helper, the great teacher, the one who has infilled us and the one who overflows from us in a river of blessing, a river that brings life wherever it goes. We thank you. We praise you. We honor you. And we glorify you today in the mighty name of Jesus. I'm going to ask you, if you will, please, to stand up on your feet for a moment. I know you've been seated a long time. And I really appreciate your patience with me this morning. I know I preached kind of long, but I needed to get that out. And I appreciate your listening ear. And I want to do something this morning. I want us to sing um, something not real slow, but not something too fast. A Goldilocks song, just, just right. And we're going to take a few minutes, and what I want to do, and this is very important, I believe it's from the Lord that we need to do this. I want you, as they're playing, and there'll be enough volume or whatever, to, to, I want you to just forget about everybody around. Forget that you're in a room where other people maybe are in front of you or beside you or behind you or whatever. And I want you just to begin to pray in the Holy Ghost. And if you've never been filled with the Holy Ghost, then pray this prayer very simply. Father God, I'm a believer in Jesus Christ. I believe he died for my sins and he rose again on the third day. And I have accepted and I do accept him as my Lord and my Savior. And I'll serve God all the days of my life. If you pray that simple prayer, you're born again. But as a believer, we say, Lord, our Father God, you promised the Holy Spirit for them that would ask. And you said you would not withhold it. So I'm asking you to baptize me in the Holy Ghost. I'm asking you to fill me to overflow. I'm asking that the rivers of living water would begin to flow out of my spirit. I know the Holy Spirit because I'm born again. I have experienced His presence. And I've been blessed by His presence. But I want to be filled to overflowing. And I expect that I will speak in tongues. I expect there will be a beginning. I don't know what it may sound like. I don't know how, what all it may consist of today. But I know it will be a beginning that will continue to grow. And so I'm going to yield and allow you to baptize me now in the Holy Ghost.